Welcome back to the Melbourne Coffee Culture Podcast, Decoding Melbourne Cafe Culture. Today, I'm really excited to bring you a prolific interview with the founder of Pillar of Salt, Barry's, Bawa, Square and Compass, Vacation, and opening soon in Brunswick slash Coburg, Lob. I'm so excited because Kale Sahili, along with his family, have a proven track record of building incredible brands, incredible cafes, not only out in the suburbs, but also in the CBD. Vacation Coffee is an upcoming new roastery, highly recommend it. Um, ditch your local roaster and go with go with vacation because incredibly delicious coffee roasted out of the Bureau Collective and uh, I just love the Ethiopian yogurt chef that they have uh, in their blend at the moment but enough about coffee we are going to hear from Kale himself we're actually sitting in the Square and Compass in East Melbourne uh, so you might hear the sounds of cafe life and and uh, the fridge murmuring in the background, so apologies about that. Kale comes across as a very humble, family-focused businessman, uh, business person. He has young kids. He does business only with family and close friends. He's built a powerful team of creative people around him. Um, Broadsheet has written 10, 15 articles about uh, what he's been doing, as well as Matt Holden in The Age and The Herald Sun, uh, Good Cafe Guide. And he really comes across as someone who is really hardworking and there's uh, there's no magic to the recipe or the formula other than loving what he does and just keeping on turning up. So here's the uh, Melbourne Coffee Culture interview with Kale, and I hope you take notes. We have Kale Sahili here from Square and Compass, uh, Vacation Coffee, Bawa. You might have heard of Pillar and Salt, Pillar of Salt in uh, Richmond. And I'm really excited to be here because being a <clears throat> Melbourne coffee culture podcast, Kale and uh, and the people that are doing business with him have proven to do something that you might call a unicorn in Melbourne coffee. Uh, we talk about unicorns in in Silicon Valley and how uh, certain startups, you know, make it to the to the billion dollar <laughs> valuation. And I think for Melbourne, having a cafe that that is you know going strong and you sell and someone else takes over the the business and keeps it going strong is is really a, I think a unicorn that a lot of people are unable to do. So, did you want to tell us? Uh, some of the venues you've you've run and and how how you've come to open Square and Compass and Vacation and what's coming next? Yeah, sure. Thanks for um, thanks for having me, Jenna. Quite the introduction. I'm a bit flattered. Uh, look, basically, it all just started um, about eight years ago. Now, I was just a just a kid, a bit unsure of what he wanted to do, and my parents wanted me to go to uni and. Um, had to finish my degree before I was allowed to try anything else, particularly um, down the hospitality road because my father had always been in hospitality and it was sort of something that we always knew. We always grew up at the back of my dad's restaurant in Turak and, and just hanging out there. And, um, and he was pretty adamant that he wanted me to have a degree before we sort of tried our luck down this path. But it was, it was about eight years ago. It was probably around 2010 that we... Well, I was in, I was in the midst of looking for... Um, corporate jobs as well. Like, I remember applying for a job at Telstra before 
we actually secured the lease at what's now Pillar of Salt. And, um, and I, I, I think most of it almost came to do with timing. Um, the cafe scene wasn't quite what it was now, but it was certainly on the right path. They had the, the St. Ali's and the... Um, Five senses. And, yeah, and the five senses it just sort of like made its made its like, you know, way onto the onto the scene and stuff. And I remember Porgy and Mr. Jones in Hawthorne was like doing incredible trade and we we looked at this place in Richmond on Church Street Richmond and it was um it just seemed to make sense and we sort of gave it a shot and um yeah, we just you know, got the got the felt like we were one of the earlier places to have like a Sidneso and Five cents was only in a handful of cafes at the time, and like like I said, it was probably just a timing thing that like <laughs> sort of all came together. There's a lot of hard work as well. I was 25, and my brother was 23, and um, my, we had a, we had a dad support as well, and um, and I think it's just like it's a lot of ups and downs, a lot of fighting, particularly with between family and stuff. But <laughs> but, but we get over it, and we all moved on, and we've got a pretty good relationship now. So we're still doing the same thing together, which is good. Um, but from Pillar of Salt, we had about three, three and a half years there, and it was really good. And we, we from there, we went and opened up Touchwood and um, and and Barry, which have all now since been sold. Um, we also dipped our toe in Hawthorne for a little bit at a place called Bawa um, on Bird Road, and we've since sold out of that as well. Our current partners are still there. Um, and then, yeah, so then we met, like, I guess along the way you meet really good people and you work with really great staff and, and um, we, we've, we've, we've met some guys that we've sort of taken on board and have been happy to get involved with us and um, Matt Stribley, a really good friend of mine from high school, emceed my wedding. Um, him and Jeremy are partners with me at Square and Compass and we've just clocked over three years here in East Melbourne and it's sort of been a really, really fun and... Um, challenging venture at the start, particularly uh, being East Melbourne, sort of off the beaten track. Although it's like right in the CBD, it's a thoroughfare of a suburb, and uh, it really just got us like it was just a challenge of the first three months at Grand Compass to really get to know all the the locals and get to know the, the hospital staff and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, it's been really good. And and um, about ten months ago, I opened up vacation in the city, and. Uh, and yeah, found a great little corner site in the corner of Exhibition and Flinders, and yeah, and we, were, we were toying with the roasting already. At um, we've been toying with the roasting for about a year and a half at Bureau Collective, and um, we were looking for a site in the city that could sort of be a flagship store for our for our coffee. Well, congratulations from everyone in Melbourne, and thank you for what you've done because it sounds like it's a family ordeal and just in the right place at the right time. But I'm telling you, as someone who's run, uh, you know, uh, businesses in the past, and um, and also even as a coffee supplier uh, when I worked for for Sensory Lab and Saint Ali, and I spent all day every day visiting cafes, you know, big cafes, little cafes, uh, you know. Uh, wineries, um, pubs, clubs, everywhere, and there are very, very few venues that that do coffee well and do business well. And I really think that there's just incredible value um, in what what you guys are doing and what you've done. Um, so, just for people who may not be in Melbourne. Um, Pillar of Salt, uh, Church Street, Richmond, yep. uh, beautiful venue, sort of a bit of outdoor seating, 
really big emphasis on coffee. It was there was always a queue. It was always um, fast to get a coffee. Uh, Square and Compass was written about many, many times. I think it was the top number one best new cafe in the Herald Sun um, about a year into the cafe. Uh, vacation coffee, uh, everyone's sort of raving about at the moment and a bit of a different sort of gig for you guys because it's inner city, you've, you tend to be in the suburbs, what we call in coffee my local, people sort of adopt you as, as their cafe um, but the vacation, you know, you're, you're really... They can be angry. <laughs> those those white collar workers who uh, you know who want their coffee now. They they want it hot. They want it fast. It's sort of a little bit different pace in my experience as a barista. Not speaking on behalf of Vacation, but that corporate market. Um, it's very different. But you've really um, it's a bit of a beacon of light. It's very bright. Um, there's batch brew. You've got the um, pineapple logo in there <laughs> so that that is a, a little bit of a, a different um different appeal do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah, yeah sure the um the idea with, with vacation was to like set up a coffee brand and a coffee company that wasn't uh trying to be too much i guess it wasn't trying to be um like too serious wasn't never never like never like called ourselves especially coffee company and never called ourselves any of that we just went out there to have a bit of fun and take it a little less seriously like so we're producing really good coffee and we've got Jimmy Chong like our roaster and our partner who who, who runs that side of things and I reckon he's incredible and um, and Julian Bedford um, our other partner who runs the shop in the city is just like naturally gifted people person like he's just just without effortlessly very polite to Everyone walks through the door, um, and and the idea was to have a bit of fun. So we didn't want like a, a coffee-related name. We didn't want a logo that looked like a coffee bean or a Rosetta. It was more just about like let's just find this little dude. Uh, it happened to be a pineapple with some eyes, <laughs> and that was like let's just let, that can be our logo because like why not I guess. And uh, yeah, and the, the space came up and it's got some beautiful high ceilings, and we said like let's just let's just take. Um, just try and get as much light into this um, venue as possible. We understand most people are sort of in the office, like if you're in the city, you're in the office most of the time, or if you go into a cafe or a coffee shop, it's generally like a low-ceiling basement-style cafe or coffee shop. It's quite dark. So we had this uh, opportunity to open up like these eight-metre eight windows and stuff, and you get to look at the MCG and you get to look at the, the, the Royal Botanical Gardens. Like It's just like a really nice spot to sit and have a coffee. And... Um, in terms of like uh, the CBD as as a space as a place to do business, I think, I think it's really good. I think there's heaps of opportunity there. We we we'd all come from those sort of my local uh, cafes, Jules, Jimmy, uh, my brother, um, and myself. And we thought like that if we could just really take like a really high quality of service and learn names and get to know everyone and get to know their coffees and look after them and bring that sort of level of service that you expect from your place 100 metres down the road from where you live, if we can bring it to a place like where you work, then, you know, there's an opportunity to build relationships. Like, it doesn't have to be... Like, it's still fast-paced, but, like, it doesn't have to be brutally fast-paced, though. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's amazing and it's great. I, I feel like I would like to know and I feel like our listeners would, would like to know how 
do you do it so many times over? And there are so many cafes that are, they close down, they're for sale, they change owners six or seven times. Um, one thing I've noticed is you're a hard worker and you, you're always in the business. I remember working at Three Bags, you know, briefly back in the day before they sold, um, before Two Birds and Top Paddock and... I think there were three owners who were pretty much always there. Um, is that part of the the secret to success? Is it possible to own and run a cafe and not be there five days a week? Yeah, I think I, th- I think it is possible. I think it's harder. Um, I th- like there's a couple of really good operators in Melbourne um, who managed to do that. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned those guys from the top paddock because, like, they have a really good group of course, course staff, and I think a lot of them have a percentage. But they, you can always go to one of their venues and know that you'll get if there's an issue, there's an owner on site, and they can rectify an issue straight away, which I think is key. So we've surrounded ourselves with really good staff and partners, and um, and I think I think it's important everyone can take time off while the business is being looked after by their other partner, which is important to like have time away and spend time with family and you know go overseas um because the, you need to have a life outside of work which is really important like and there needs to be balance and it's really hard to get that balance when you're a sole owner and a sole operator like it is <laughs> it's it's tricky yeah um so uh i think i think good partners are key that's great one thing that i've observed about uh your cafes and probably i was really gobsmacked um, learning the almost obsession with detail at places like Three Bags where there's one way to do things, there's a very clear production line. In terms of coffee um, you know, the menu doesn't change the, the plates are in the same spot and if the barista, there's sort of there was no room for the barista to sort of to wing it and that was a bit of a shock for me even as a coffee um you know, coffee snob. I I really had to fit into their system, and there was a there was a recipe, there was a role, there was a hierarchy, and and actually, when you embrace that level of control, it actually is quite liberating as a barista. Um, the customers become comfortable because their product is consistent. The wait staff, if they all do it the same way. Um, but somehow they magically do it so it doesn't feel like McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because surely Hudson Coffee and all the coffee chains follow an absolute system. But somehow there's this um, magic where it feels creative, it feels spontaneous, it feels unique, but it's very clearly defined and it's written down and documented and everybody knows it, but the customer has no idea. Is that something that I've imagined, or is that sort of part of your philosophy as well? Yeah, I, I think I think there'd be places there that really do like, like take that that process to the next level. Like, like I mean, they're talking about people who are investing like a lot of money into businesses, and like you like you can't set up. Well, I, I I'm sure you can, but like I feel like you can't set up a cafe for next to nothing like, I think you need to like employ a designer an architect a, a builder and you've got like a someone who looks after the branding there's elements of, and the, someone looks after something every step of the way and it's very expensive so like when the doors do open like their stress levels are high and, and you've probably got a, a bit of a period a bit of a, a window where you get to like 
put all these systems in place and if they don't get put in place at the start then they're not going to be put in place or they're much harder to be put in place uh, as the business like matures so I, I think yeah there'd be a lot of um, there'd be a lot of systems in place and I think they're really important and, and they're not like they're not McDonald's systems they're not like regimented they, they, they'd be like a closing sheet and a cleaning a packing up sheet and all this sort of stuff that people would have to follow um, but there's probably always room for improvement as well. If we ever employ someone who's really good and, and they've had a lot of experience, we'll sort of say, look, we're open to, open to changes, open to um, any discussion or any improvements that they may have. But, um, yeah, it's funny. Like, I actually had someone say to me once, like, uh, oh, like, you know, have you ever thought about doing this or expanding this and making a couple of these? I'm like, oh, we wouldn't be able to, like, franchise, for example. We, we, we wouldn't be able to franchise, for example, because we haven't got the systems. And he said to me, he's like... You've got the systems, you just don't know that they're there. Like you haven't, you know, you've got your way, but you're not aware that they're actually there. There is a great business opportunity. I don't know why I'm saying it in this podcast, but um, there are people who actually come into your business and put cameras in your business with your permission, and they'll have a team of people uh, overseas um, who will document everything you do that you don't know that you do and it's actually brilliant um, and I highly recommend it for people who um, are wanting to sell a business or franchise because once the owners are gone and you're there in the new, in the cafe and you're like hang on a minute how did they do that again um, that was a bit of a segue here's probably the elephant in the room question which is uh, why do cafes fail why it sounds like there's been quite a few tips here like um, partnership, building a good team around you, finding the right location, um, having good systems but with some flexibility, not just winging it on a budget but actually you know, thoughtfully planning every step of the process. Um, there are lots of for lease signs and I, I see probably one more every week. <laughs> um, are there just too many cafes or is it just bad luck yeah I don't know I wish I, I wish I had a straight answer for you I think it's like I've seen really good places that have a great feel great food great coffee good service and they just don't last it, it can happen it's one of those it's just the nature of hospitality sometimes I think it's definitely harder to do business now nowadays than it was even like five or six years ago um, every letter uh, sorry every every six months or so you'll get a you'll get a letter from supplier increase in cost increase in petrol prices this this that and the other like the, the rent goes up and all this sort of stuff and every, everything sort of continually moves one way but it's hard for your prices to chase chase the increase in expenses so while while we're paying you know um i'm just going to say some figures that are all made up but say we're, we're paying ten thousand dollars more in rent than we were um last year uh we're still charging the same price for coffee or we're still like, you know what I mean? Like we're still all these sorts of variables that we can't control. Yeah, that's right. I remember when when Five Senses was booming um, in the early 2000s and, you know, St. Ali still had a one kilo roaster. Um, you know, we didn't have to pay baristas 20x dollars an hour. Um, there was no pressure to use unhomogenized biodynamic milk at close to $5 for two litres, there was no almond milk, there was no coconut milk, and people were just pretty happy to, to get a coffee um, fast. So I think that definitely the costs have gone up um, 
for cafes. I think there's a bit of a trend towards cafes roasting their own. I think places like Bureau Collective are great. Um, I bought my copy of Colin Harmon's book. Um, I'm actually a Harmon from Ireland um, on my mother's side, so I don't know if we're related. Um, But, um, yeah, I've got actually a few of my listeners have emailed me some questions, which is exciting. Um, So... I'm going to ask a couple of these because I don't want it to be a really long interview. Um, oh, there's so many questions. Okay, so from from Adam in Melbourne, uh, he's a like a Google Ads Word expert, uh, but also a coffee freak. And he asks, how do you create a distinct or unique identity for each cafe? So obviously you've come, come up with those names, Pillar of Salt, and yeah. is it... Uh, flicking the dictionary to a random page or uh it's actually usually like it usually comes back to the area and like usually like we we well believe it or not the hardest part to come up with is generally the name between like four or five people it's something never like no one ever agrees on but um at the end of the day someone just like you just we've actually come to the stage where we put like a few names in a hat and whoever picks out the name like that's it that's that's the name of the cafe um i think like like, we generally look to the area. Um, Square and Compass is an ode to the Freemasons. We're surrounded by the Freemasons buildings, and uh, East Melbourne is, like, a pretty dominant suburb for that. Uh, Bawa was derived from, like, the like the Burundara Council, where Hawthorne's located, and Burundara was a, um, an Aboriginal term for a shady space, hence the foliage and the, and the greenery inside the building. It's beautiful. And, and that ended up going down this... Um, Jeffrey Barwa path, which was uh, he's a Sri Lankan um, uh, architect, and then yeah, I mean, I don't know that they just can't they just come, and then I think you usually need to like work with the space you have. Every building is different, um, and then I think they just sort of evolve a little bit. They're all getting like they go through like a, I think just like the cafes in Melbourne generally have, have evolved. Like they're not all. No, you don't really see many people sitting on milk crates anymore whereas like you could have just thrown milk crates out 10 years ago and like mm. people would have been wrapped with that <laughs> so um, yeah I think I, I think you just need to have a look at the space around you and the shops around you and the people in the area and try and like appeal to them that's amazing so from um, from David uh, is there a Melbourne palette in working out the menu where probably known I didn't know this until I talked to people from you know overseas but Melbourne cafes are all about brunch apparently yeah it's a fair call we we look at um like we I like to think that the food has evolved a little bit as well but um I mean we try not to put any smashed avocado on any on any dishes anymore um I'm not sure whether I'm sick of it or <laughs> like and, and like you know like there is a um, there is like a definite moving so we we now have all day menus at most of our places and so if someone wants to come in and get a burger you know first thing in the morning by all means or if they want to have like poached eggs in the afternoon at four o'clock that's fine um, but I think yeah there's been a been a bit of a shift in like menu that can be acce- like food that can be accessible all day um and it, it, it might be like having a handful of salads and lighter dishes in which a protein can be added to it 
Um, it can be simply just changed to like a vegan dish or a gluten-free dish or a vegetarian dish mm. just with eliminating one element from, the, from, the, from a dish, which just sort of expands your menu without, without really like, you know, it just appeals to a broader audience that way. I think, I think Barry did it really well in Northcote um, when we opened there. My sister had a really good touch on the menu and we, we just sort of had a really broad range of dishes that would appeal to everyone. That's amazing. Sounds great. That's a really good idea. And I certainly love the food that we were talking before the interview. I, I don't eat bread. I don't eat sugar. I don't eat milk. Um, so for me to go to most cafes, I have to order, you know, avocado, salmon, two eggs, and cost me like $75. <laughs> Whereas here and a lot of your places, you know, I can order, you know, there are two or three or four things I can order with little or no changes so thank you um is there anything hard about success i i guess that's actually from my brother david who you know um is is there anything like you've done you know you've done well a few times uh or is it just the paperwork could be anything Mm, that's that's a silly question david (laughs) (laughs) um uh yeah, it's always got its challenges. I mean, it's just like sort of. I mean, I think um, I think as you get a little bit older, you sort of you sort of realise it's it's important to like still have fun. And if it's not if it's not enjoyable, then it's then it's not worth it. And I think that's like one key thing that's it's worth noting that um, you have your you have your up days and your down days, and it's like any job at the end of the day. Like you you know we all enjoy elements of our work, and sometimes like there's elements that are really difficult and. Um, sort of always on show when you're on the floor so you need to sort of be careful how you handle certain situations but um but yeah there's def- like there's definitely like um just elements of stress and stuff that like will be there they, they were there since day one and they'll probably be there in 10 years time great and uh is there a dream that you have like is your dream to open another two or three cafes and, and retire or is it to take what you've done here to another country and or or obviously you've said the franchise thing sort of isn't your model what, what what's your dream what would you love to see happen whether it's uh it doesn't have to be a, a real plan but what would you love to see happen yeah I'm, I'm not really sure I haven't I think like I've got two young kids now and and there's still a short window for us to maybe move down the coast or move offshore for a little bit but I don't think it's going to happen um, having said that like I think I think Vacation is like a really is a, is a great brand I think it'll be a really strong brand um, in the coming years and I think we're going to just really focus on that um, and my little brother's you know three years younger than me he can go he can go overseas if he wants and he can go give something a shot in like in Japan or something so um yeah, but I, I mean, like, we've got our feet pretty, pretty well soiled into, like, you know, we've got our roots down in Melbourne. Being rooted and grounded in Melbourne with a great legacy of cafes behind you, do you think that, whether it's yourselves or someone else doing it, can you take what Melbourne coffee has done, Melbourne cafe culture has done overseas? Do you think it's something that we could export? I mean, there are already articles in, you know, in the New York Times and a whole bunch of other places and top 10 Melbourne cafes in Berlin, top 10 Melbourne cafes yeah. in New York. Yeah. Is it a bit embarrassing with pulling our own chain or is there something that we can bring to the, to the rest of the world? No, 
I'm, I'm not sure. I went to Berlin about eight years ago, and it was like, uh, I don't know, probably about six years ago. And I know there's some really good coffee, like there's some really good coffee shops, and I think there's a lot of people already doing that, like taking the Melbourne scene. Like I think Proud Mary's in Portland. I think they're doing really well, and and so they should. Like he's, he's picked up and taken a massive leap and moved his family over there, and he deserves like deserves to do well. They've got a good, really good product. So um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Like I think I think Melbourne's probably one of the most saturated markets for cafes in the world, if not easily the most saturated market for cafes. Um, so it does make sense as an operator to maybe like try somewhere else. Yeah, somewhere else would be easier. That's great. Is there anything you want to promote or plug or it could be a, your own business or an Instagram account or a pet hate in hospitality you want to whinge about now that you can? <laughs> No, if I was going to give anything a plug, it would be we're opening up in, in Sydney Road, Brunswick in a wow. few months, which is going to be cool. It's like a 130-seater place. It's, um, yeah, we're looking forward to, like, getting in there. We've got, like, a, like a, a beautiful space, like, designed by Techne, and um, it's a nice, big, old, like, shed-style building um, right on Sydney Road, almost in Coburg, so quite, up, quite far north, like, towards A1 Bakery. And that's going to be called Lobs, after William Lobs. It is the, uh, like, basically that hill, it's on a small hill, it's called Lob Hill. Um, but we're going to try and, like, target events and use the space, the function space, and we'll put our, like, like, we've got a fair bit of room to play with, so we want to sort of, I don't know, maybe just push it, but we're, we're sort of here, like, we, we want to open places now and we want to hold on to them. I think we're done turning over cafes, I guess. We want to, like, sort of build places that are, you're proud of and you can hang on to for a while and yeah so that that would be it I've got I've got no qualms with the industry I've got nothing to nothing to bitch and moan about it's just it is what it is it's, you know every industry has their um their tricky spots and their you know and the, the good with the bad sort of thing that's great thank you so much uh, for your time Kale. I, I believe that there are a lot of people who um, know about what you've done and look forward to what you're moving into in the future. Yeah. I've just remembered something I'm not a fan of. It's swans on coffee. <laughs> That's great because I can... I can, <laughs> I can only do chickens. I don't know why. I've, I've, I've been like next to the best swan baristas. Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, no that. That's awesome.